The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your question. We are going to start with Surrey. And right after that, I'd like to read to you a poem that someone sent me just recently about what they're going through. And I feel it is a huge schuss to be able to publicize this for the chizuk. So we're going to start with Surrey. You're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. First, I have um, a comment. So for um, Bela, that called last week, asking uh, about um, regarding um, self-esteem and gavel. Yes. Um, I remember when I was in school, our teacher explained it. With, um, she said about gavel is like a balloon. You blow it up, and it's just full of air. It has nothing to it. And someone with self-esteem, it has, it's not that he's just not um, blown up. He has quality to himself, and he knows his qualities. And I, as I was thinking of it last week, I was thinking that a very easy way um, that's tangible and the kids could see it is if you can take, like, two um, um, gloves and you blow up one and you put in some seeds, popcorn seeds, and the other one you put popcorn seeds with, uh, and regular popcorn. And when you take a paper clip, you just um, make a, uh, you just a little prick for the empty one with the little seeds, it just gets some... Um, um, busted, and just like a Bulgava, usually from um, any hardship, they just um, blow up and <laughs> everyone around suffers, but they get um, just like cringe. But uh, someone with self esteem, even though when they get um, a little a little um, hardship, it's much easier for them because I hear an echo. <laughs> Excellent, great. Let me just let's take your qu- let's take her question and see how you would address it. Because I addressed it that Gaiv and self-esteem, in my opinion, are completely two different topics. But her concern is that if someone has a self-esteem, they'll be a Balgaiva. What would you say to that? No, you say, because you know your qualities, and you don't, you, you don't like, try to show it to everyone, but you use it. But Hashem gave it to you. You enjoy your, your qualities. So what you're saying is a Balgaiva And you also know the difference is also you also put some speed, because they also know their hardships, their... Um, shortcomings. They don't think they know it all. Okay, so let's clarify. Hold on. So let's let's clarify these two points. So point number one is that um, a Balgaiva is someone that under hardship will fall, and someone that has an inner self-esteem during hardships will grow. And that was really the second point that you said. And the first point that you said is that a self-esteem does it for themselves, and a Balgaiva needs to show it to others. Yeah. Very nice points. Thank you for that. And the very another way to, to show it is uh, popcorn seeds by itself. It wouldn't grow. Every every person has to understand. Yes, they have their qualities, but it's not from them. They got the seeds from Hashem, and it's the surrounding the chen of the and everything around. Yes, they did work on it. They have to understand their part in it. But they also were able to accept the hardships, like the, the heat from the popcorn popper, <laughs> um, to grow. That made them without the heat from the popcorn popper, they wouldn't grow. Excellent. Excellent. Are you also calling with a question? Yes, I would also just, know. Let's just plug the number. Hold on. Let's just plug the number a minute. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question or comment. Go ahead, sorry. And question number 158, you mentioned about um, um, controlling the emotions. I need a little bit like more detail than more that. that. We've had, I think we're by 60, so, uh, 260. Uh, 258, I made a mistake, 258. That's okay, I'm sorry, yeah, two, yeah. so yeah. which, what, tell me the question and then we'll go into the, then I'll remind myself of the answer. Um, 
just one thing you said that um, a person has to, um, today's days people control their emotions. I would like to know what does control their emotions I'd like you to example, give me a little bit more information than just about 10 letters. When I give an okay. answer, it's usually so about example, five minutes per answer I to 10 minutes. I came home from school. I came home from school and I wanted to share something with my mother. Yeah, I did have a, it was a certain emotional thing and I wanted to share it. And my mother was not, she was sleeping. No, no, let's go back. Hold on, before we take it to you, before we take it to you, what was the question that I had on the question? Oh, the the question was that someone was, um, tried falling asleep, but she always wakes up with, um, dreams that doesn't really have to do with the day. Oh, of course, with nightmares. Let's go. That's a fantastic question we can even discuss for a minute. The question went as follows. The question was that someone wakes up with nightmares at night and many times has nothing to do with what's going on by day. Why is that happening? And what I clarified is that the subconscious cannot be denied. It cannot be locked. And when we have things that are bothering us, if we deny it long enough, then the subconscious will bring it out into our nightmares. And if we still don't listen, many times we then develop physical pains, which is emotional stress. Many doctors, which means after you check it out that it's not physical, people get night, night um, get headaches, people get back pains, people get other pains. And many times, it's just really emotional. Yes, that was what we were saying. Yeah, so what I was saying is it was unexpressed I was emotions. What does it mean, controlling the emotion? For example, that day, then I tried going to my father, but my father was also not home. And I felt like crying, and I was like, why, you want to cry? And I said, you know what, just take it home and say something to him. Does this mean controlling the emotion? Or Wait, let's what? take it back, because you said a couple of words very quickly. When your father wasn't there and you felt like crying, what did you tell yourself? Um, if you want to know what you're crying, why are you going to cry? Just take it to him and say something to him. You want to give out your emotions, just go say to him. Okay. So, Let's take a step back. Do you feel it is healthy for, um, give me roughly how old you are, like between 20 and 30, 30 and 40? Like 20. 20. Do you think it's healthy for a 20-year-old that if they just wanted to speak to their father and the father wasn't there for them to need to cry? No, it was a very, something that, I was emotional that day, I knew it. Wait, hold on, let's take that moment a second. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let, let's, let me lead the show over here. You are, we're emotional that day. Are you generally very emotional? Um, depends. Usually not. 80% of, give me 70% of the time. Mm, Certain things. Okay, now let's start over there. Is that healthy for a person to be 70% of the day of their time emotional? Oh, but usually, no, usually I'm really, yes, I am emotional type, but I'm emotional, for example, I'm more emotional to kids, I'm more sensitive to many people, but it's not, Let's I don't think not it's really separate. Let, let me explain to you something, and therefore, I, I'm not going to stay much longer with you, because I feel we're going to go too much, and I'm going to be cold where I send people to therapy all day. So let's understand this. Everyone is meant to feel emotions. When we learn in social work school how to diagnose, everyone has some level of anxiety, everyone has some level of stress, everyone has some level of OCD, like questioning themselves, did I do this or didn't I do this? Did I wash my hands? It's normal. Now, when it's affecting our lives is when it's not. When someone is too much feelings, they don't have their support system. If you're married and you still need to speak to your father and not to your husband. Oh, well, I'm not yet. Okay. Well, all I want to go is there are healthy emotions that we're supposed to be having. When you're having them, and that's healthy. When you can balance it, it's healthy. When they're more extreme, of course, when it's a, a time, it's great to use that Eisratzim to give it to the Rabbani Shalom. We're supposed to have a relationship with the Rabbani Shalom. But what happens when we have an unhealthiness that we are too emotional, we are afraid of things, and we're busy saying to Hillam when the Rabbani Shalom is expecting you to go for therapy and learn how to balance it? 
And that's what we have in the Torah. Many rise to that. But one of them is by Klal when we're ready to go and we have the Mitzrayim on one side, you have Kriyos Yamsef on the other, and Moshe Rabbeinu starts davening to the Rabbeinu Shalem, the Rabbeinu Shalem answers, Ma titzakalai, davel b'nei Yisrael v'yiso. The Rabbeinu Shalem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, now's not time for davening, now's the time for action. If you have emotions that are not balanced, if you're too sensitive, I'm going to let you answer that. Don't, don't have me answer your question. If you feel you know what's going on in the world, you know what's a healthy, basic, regular emotion. I'm not saying you know what's going on by people, but you know what's healthy emotions. And maybe in your family, people, several people suffer from anxiety. I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying it's that way. Or people are too emotional, and it's affecting them. There are choices. You have options how you can balance your emotion. Now, giving it out in Tehillim is a fantastic way of channeling an emotion when it's appropriate to channel it, to use it to the Rabbinish Shalom. But if the emotion itself is not healthy, it needs to be learned how to balance that then you need to speak to a Rav if it's correct to give it to, for the Tehillim, because that's a, 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 a Yiddishkeit Shaila, and then you've got to transfer it, and maybe it's needed to transfer it to therapy, that you shouldn't have those strong emotions. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, I do hear, but I was just like thinking, if I just want to know if this means controlling an emotion. It doesn't happen very often. It really hasn't happened to So from when it doesn't happen it was, very often to happening sometimes 70% of the time. No, it's, it's not happening 70% of the time. 70% of the time I'm more emotional, but not this often. You know, I will, really I will tell you a little secret that we do in therapy. The questions that people ask, really, they know the answer to. Let me, share, let me share the response that I gave everyone, and then let's understand why you picked up on that. And this is going to be a little bit in your face, if you just may permit, just because it sounds no like... All right, so I gave a question. The question was, if someone wakes up with nightmares many nights, and it ha doesn't always have to do with what happened during the day, what is the why? My response was that when we deny emotions and when we have feelings and we deny it long enough, it will creep into our subconscious, and therefore it's a message from our subconscious saying, please deal with it. That sounds like a pretty simple question and answer. Now, the people that will pick, on it, pick up on it, <gasps> maybe I'm denying stuff, they'll all of a sudden start asking me those questions. So when I get clients, one of the questions that I ask is, what brought you here? And sometimes people go, oh, you want to know what the marketing is? Maybe that's a small percentage. But the real reason why I ask, the main focus is, because I want to know what is the point. Which program did they listen to that triggered an awareness? And I know that's where they're weak or that's what they need to have. For an example, one of the secrets when I have sometimes the teens at risk where I want to find out what's going on, I ask them, which song do you identify with? Which song do you listen to? And you're going to find a connection between that song and what's going on many times in our subconscious or in our life. All I will tell you is, and I will let go with this, is being that you asked me that question about that, I would say there's something you know that's bothering you. There is some denial going on, and you're just waiting for me to tell it to you. But in therapy, the way it goes is I have the client come to me. So what are you doing here? And many clients, the first two, three sessions, come in with that frustration. Wait a minute, I'm coming to you just to help me. What do you need help with? Nothing. Everything is really okay. Oh, really? Okay, then why are you here? And they get highly frustrated until we help them identify they're here for a problem. All right, sorry. Oh, okay. So I will tell you the way you're asking the question, it sounds so simple, sounds like there's no issue at all going on. But being that okay, you're asking it, I think there's something that you want to go. Let's go to line three. Mimi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai. Thank you so much. You're doing a wonderful job. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Okay. Uh, my question goes like this. I have a 14-year-old boy, which is doing wonderful. Um, my question is the issue that I feel it is should be should, should I look at it as an issue? Should I do anything for it or leave it the way it is? It goes like this. He he has an older brother that wasn't well. Yeah. So in his lifetime, he had a lot of struggles due to having his brother ill. Yes. And um, he can I know how to, he's very, very good and do, he does everything, but he, he's very close. At one point, he's very close, and the other point, he's a very sensitive, feeling child. So my question is, do I need to open him up? If he, it, um, outside, you don't see that he has any issues, and he wouldn't tell you anything. My, it comes out, his closeness, when he needs to make a decision, he would always say, what do you want? How so old I, is he? He's 14. And you said someone wasn't 12? Yes, his older brother. His older brother wasn't well, and he is well, and he's closed. And when he needs to make a decision, you don't see the confidence in him. He, he, he I don't know if, it, if it's a lack of confidence, or he's afraid that he's going to make a decision that will hurt someone else. Okay. He, he only wants to please everyone. Yes. Now, when I say a lack of confidence, that is part of it. There are like five or six different components in making decisions and confidence, which what will happen, that's one of them means every time I say yes to someone, I say no to someone else. So for an example, there was Suri that I was talking to online one. Then there was Etty that called online two, which we didn't answer her question. So being that I was speaking to Suri, Etty hung up, which then now gave us the ability to speak to Mimi. Mm -hmm. But every time I say yes to someone, I am still saying no to Etty when she wanted that question to be right in there. Right, but he wouldn't say no either. Ah, so why he not? Would, he would... He would um, so I would like you to answer. For him. Do you know, Mimi? So let, let me go answer the question. Uh, let's answer it differently. I'd like you to answer the question. In order for a person to be successful in this world, we need several key steps. Mm -hmm. And there are about 10 major steps that I focus on. There's really a lot more. But one of them is the ability to say no. Another one of them is the ability to understand that I am different than someone else, that I'm allowed to do what I need to do. Number, another, you say is that whenever. Um, well, let's leave these two just as it is. Okay. In order to succeed, you need those two. Like, for an example, I mean, I can think of so many more. Like, for example, right. you need to succeed in the beginnings. You have to understand that all of life will go through new beginnings. There are right. so many different steps that we're going to be doing many times. Well, mm -hmm. let me ask you, do you think your son can survive through life and everything that's going to happen if they have this difficult time? If you can't say no? If you're going to feel bad, whatever you do, you're going to feel bad for someone else. Imagine I would hang up on... Uh, on Surrey in middle because Etty called. Definitely and then I hang not. up on Etty the minute you call. Uh, that's what I'm trying to understand. We try to make him dis do a decision on his own, like um, um, the camp, uh, there was no Shabbos of coming home or not coming home. And he kept us on, should I, shouldn't I? So I made him clear. Make your, make, um, set your, your, your um, um, pros and cons, what, and then put it on a scale and decide. Like I pushed him to make the decision. Yeah. And, and he kept on asking me, but shouldn't, what's good for me? So I said, it's not about me. It's about you. You make the decision. Now, let me and ask you something. What's happening is you're putting him in the decision-making seat, but did you give him the lessons? So you're putting I, gave, I, I helped him open up to see what, what, for what reason, yes, for what reason, sure. no. Sure. Now, what happens if he has a different issue? I don't know. He's closed up. I couldn't know if he ah, has a different issue. That's exactly where the issue comes in. So now, what is your question? 
I sh if I should open him, and if yes, how should I do it? Ah, so now you want all these. So my answer is generally, of course, it's a parent's job to make sure a kid can open up. Of course, okay. the answer is definitely yes. The next step is, can you do it? That's a whole separate question. Are you skilled? Depends how difficult the kid is. Have you tried? He's not a difficult child. What? He's not a difficult child. Oh, I didn't ask how difficult he is. I asked how difficult is the opening up. Thanks. Actually, uh, I wasn't okay. clear. How easy can you get personal information out of him? Uh-huh. And are you equipped if he's hard? If it's easy, will he get there? Do you know what to ask for? No, that's what I'm calling in. Ah, so you want all that? I'll regal no, no, I just wanted it here. All right, so let idea. me just have you be aware. So I'll just create the awareness, but I okay. will not be able to give you the tips or the tools. In okay. fact, this is a pretty good idea. I just had a client come to me this week and tell me, you know, I went to one of your students. And mm -hmm. I go, funny, I don't have any students. He says, oh, but right. this guy calls himself your student. He says, I don't even know one student to even mention my student. Right. So my concern is if I will actually give you three tools, you're going to say, now I know exactly from Mordechai Weimer, all these no. people listening there. No, I'm just I'm actually doing this for public awareness. Right. Oh, I'm Mordechai Weimer's student. So first let me say publicly, I have no student, period. I have one mm -hmm. guy that I am working with, associate with, and I'm training him. It's taken me about four years for the commitment to train him. And then I'll probably call him a Talmud or someone that I taught. So anyone mm -hmm. that has not sat in my room while I do therapy with people has not worked together with me on many cases. We're talking about like 100 cases right. on case me and them, the way I do the whole system. Doesn't have four years shimish means sitting there and going through all that. Mm -hmm. Please don't consider that my student. Now, if they listen right. to the programs, halavai, I forget everyone the information to better the world. That's what I'm here for. But to call themselves right. my student, it was cute to hear that, especially when I never in my life heard the guy's name. Uh -huh. Now let's go to you. So some tools, what to realize is, number one is to have the schmooze with your 14-year-old son. To mm -hmm. explain to him that it's important, certain you say this, and the ability to make a decision is important. Right. Step, once you get the concept, I'm not giving you the whole drasha because that will be 45 minutes explaining it to you. Right. Um, the step two is to be able to age. I'm actually looking at some of the programs that I have over here, what can help you how to make decisions and things like that where you can listen to those hour programs and then you can explain it to them. Mm -hmm. Number one, let me just give you a couple of programs. Number one, I'd recommend you to listen in the English section of the program. That's 718-298-2011. Mm -hmm. And that is number 45, which is our greatest 45. secret will destroy us. Mm -hmm. Another one is lessons that we can learn from presidential election. It's highly important, that one. Number 33, it teaches us how to make choices. It's not really about choices. It's about winning or losing. It's about the losing. The thing but that's interesting, choices for that's pertaining just himself, he has no issue. Yeah. He's safe, he's structured, he knows There's what he wants. Great. But at minute, it affects someone around him. He's afraid that he's, 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 he's going to make not a good um, decision for the okay. other one. Maybe it's he's more not hurting others. Okay, himself. well, then in that case, I was going to also rec not in that case, but I was going to recommend before, number 28 is to every game there is a loser. Mm -hmm. Now, happens to be that I would recommend in the English section number one and the Yiddish it's number nine it's about how to build your self-esteem it gives you the understanding about right. existing who I am when right. a person can feel who I am knows their strengths I would focus on that one more and maybe just then recommending to them codependence which is number nine that when we try to make other ones happy we try to live for other ones then we get stuck and right. not only they don't get happy but we don't get happy it's only a temporary answer Mm -hmm. Just to give you some of the tools, you want to sit down with him and instead of talking, you want to ask him, what are some of your concerns that hold you back from making a decision? I will hurt someone. Don't right away don't respond to why it won't. Just write down all the little fears. I will hurt right. someone. 
maybe that person will have akpada and the chasra will take away my yershamayim. Maybe it happened to me once where someone didn't care about me and I was hurt. Maybe I see, maybe I got a pain that mommy, sometimes you talk and people get insulted and I chasa shalom don't want that or I'm trying to do, you'll be amazed many times what kids say without even meaning to hurt and they don't mean to attack you but some of their experiences. I have someone that I heard that he was, his father was so confident that his father was able to have fights with people but being that his father fought with everyone, he's so afraid to have one fight. We had to yeah. recognize that your father built up the confidence to be able to have fights. Mm -hmm. We don't know what he's afraid of until we ask. But you want to get at least four or five points before you go into the house. What I would recommend is... But my question, if he's closed up, he's going to answer me? Well, then that's where you need now a professional that has experience. That's a whole new uh -huh. subject. Now you're asking how do you open up a person. Is Now let's stick to the original question is how do you help the person to make decisions? We'll stick there. If he's closed, then that's where you might even need. Some, I have a special uh -huh. play therapy tools that I use for adults that can't open up. He has gone to play therapy when um, years ago when it's his brother was well. Very different. Very different. Very different play therapy different. and getting them to talk. Very right. different tools. Mm -hmm. Similar but different. Thank you for Thank that you question. So much. Thank we you. are going to go to Miriam. Miriam, hold on. Etty, I don't know if it's you. You call back. Hold on. We will get to you, Merit Hashem. Um, let me just read this poem because I find it's very important for those listening. And it meant a lot. Listen to this. Slowly it creeps up, and then in five seconds wait, and then a five-second wait, then a 50-foot drop, and upside down, twist, the people are screaming. It continues a bit slower now. Some people manage to catch their breath. Others are still screaming. Suddenly, it speeds up again, this time really quick. A few people fall off. It's going straight up now. The rest of the people left think this is the end. Before they know it, they're on a drop again, this time a 100-foot slope. A few more people pass out. What do you know? They stop for a minute. Crash. Several people die. At this point, there are only two people left. They are at it again. So, so speeding. They don't feel their bodies. Down, up, down, again. Twist, crash, down, crash. One person jumps off. There's only one person left now. He decides he's staying on no matter what. But it's worse than ever before. He cannot breathe. He thinks it's over for sure. And one, two, three, it stops. Before him, he sees a picnic table with one balloon that says, you did it. He sees under the balloon, there's a gift card that says, free, peace, forever. Our winner says, it was well worth that horrible ride. One day, Merit Hashem, that winner will be me. For those of you, and unfortunately, many people go through many difficulties in life, lots of challenges. If we can recognize that Rabbi Shalom has given us this up, this down, but no one dies. If we stay on it, the Rabbi believes in us. There are answers. And I would even add on, we are the ones that cause the pain by not being willing to change quicker. The longer we're on it, Hashem says, I have patience, I'll give you the Nisayan again. And stronger, if we get through it, we learn the steps, we change. Boy, what a change with Siata Deshmaya we will see between the two. So I'd like to thank you for that poem, and it's a great information. Stick to it, everyone. We keep to it. And with Siata Deshmaya, we will see the success, the strength that we have gone through. Okay, let us go to Miriam. Miriam, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, hello. How are you doing today? Baruch Hashem. First of all, I love your hotline. It's my uh, company, Don Zene. Thank you. And the question and the comment together. Please. Okay. Will therapy help for a person that is being abused constantly, like 
is living with a person that abuses her. Can you give me an example when you say abuse? Are you talking about physical abuse? You're talking about emotional abuse? What are you talking it's about? Basically, emotional abuse, let's say, making fun of, controlling. Yeah. Uh, it will help. Well, let's put it this way. What do you think therapy is? Let's clarify what therapy is, and then you'll tell me if it can help. Okay. According to my experience, like when I was a child, I mean to say a teenager, yeah, and I was living with a parent that did abuse me, it didn't help. And once I got married, it did help. Explain that to me. It didn't help before you got married, and you did. What did you learn there that didn't help while you were in the house and that helped when you got out of the house? What tools? Um, they did, um, I don't, like, I started opening up, and I don't remember which tools. Um, it was basically separating and start making my own decisions. But if I got a slap in my face every time I made my own decision, I couldn't deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so I dropped it. Like I constantly dropped the therapy because it was too hard to carry out yeah. with somebody that is making fun of every emotion that I now um, that I that I now own. So it didn't help because like it was too hard. Therapy alone is a hard job. So now let me ask you the question. So you've left the house. Now, how do you find it when you have friends? Because everyone's got some relationship where people are critical to you. What do you do? Now, first of all, I'm not a whole day with critical people. That's not my question. That's not my question. What happened to you when you're around a critical person? When someone gives you a comment, doesn't it play in your head? Don't you try to avoid the person, but when you're there, you take it in your pins and needles? Doesn't your Uh husband or your children suffer when you're around critical people if you're ever at a job? Yeah? Uh, I think so. Excellent. So let's clarify several points. Number one that you said is very right. When a person is in a very negative environment, sometimes, now not all the time, I'm going to say this again, sometimes, 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 because all of those of you listening, many times people like hearing what they want to hear. I'm using the word sometimes. One of the options is leave the environment. But I see that only when it's the worst case scenario where there are two negative people, there's nothing stable, the person's in your face, and you haven't used the other tools. Most of the time, what we need to learn is how to handle that how to be able to disconnect from the other person, how to be able to have end words, which is just like you can hang up on the phone, to be able to disconnect. Even if it's a parent, you need to have the halacha guidance, how to do it, but in a healthy way. If you don't learn that, then you have never learned to master being around negative people, which they are part of this world. And since you haven't mastered that as a kid, therefore, through the rest of life, you still haven't mastered that lesson. That's why when teenagers, the goal is not to be a teenager and to survive. The goal is to learn the lessons that we need in life in the teenage years. Whatever you haven't mastered yet, don't worry, the Rabbanu Shalom will send it right back to you when you're married and then when you get older. Now, okay, yeah, I see. I didn't get the right tools for that right. environment. And now you're going to learn those tools. And until you don't get it, I promise you the Rabbanu Shalom will send you these Nesiyahinas stronger and bigger each and every time you don't pass the test. That's the Rabbi Shalom's promise. <laughs> he believes in us, and he'll get it stronger and do it bigger. So there's a separate like tool to, to how to how to be with critical people. It like is not a tool. There are many tools. 
how to deal with critical people. And until you master a lot of them, you will be stuck with that. And I'll tell you one of the secrets, one of the big secrets are to be able to deal with your guilt of perfectionist, of needing to please others. It's not even about them. First, you need to master yourself and your fears before we get to master the others, before we get to learn how to be with critical people. Critical people know how to, as they say in Yiddish, to rad on the nerven, to like ride your nerves, because they know your weaknesses and you're afraid to acknowledge your weaknesses. Someone says, you're so bad and you really feel bad, boys are going to go in. Oh, you made a mistake, you're such a bad person, and you feel safe making mistakes, you can just hear it and go, oh, no, I'm not a bad person, I'm okay. You won't even respond. And when I do the inner work on people that are around negative people, unfortunately, we usually work most of the time 90% on their inner guilt feelings that they feel. And then you see how it changes. Then we give them the basic outside tools how to deal with negative people. Oh, I see. So the inner guilt is there. Is there they strive on my inner That's right. And that's when they say, when I always prove to those people they got to work on themselves, I tell them, let's say your mother, your father, your cousin, your brother, your sister, your coworker is a crazy person and is negative. Let's not talk about parents because I like talking more respectful about parents. So let's talk about yeah. you have a coworker. Is such a negative person. Is there one person in everyone, is there one employee in the whole company that that person will not dare say a negative word to? And they go, oh, yes, they said it to that person. That person blew up. Oh, so they know who they can terrorize and they know who they can't. Uh, Meshiga is not the person that takes your head and bashes it in a wall, although they might be. Meshiga is the person that takes their own head and bashes it in the wall. So what we teach, what we do work, is first we take care of your feelings that you feel guilty, that you feel bad, that you feel horrible. And many times it might just be growing up in an environment where you're told that you're bad and where you're taught that you're not allowed to make mistakes. And therefore, when you make a mistake, you now believe it. And we need to learn within yourself making mistakes is a positive and if when you make a mistake, the person goes, you're so bad for making a mistake, and your brain might just be able to interpret it, oh, wow, I've made mistakes, fantastic, that means I'm alive. Does that make sense, Miriam? Yeah, of course. I wish I would have a therapist that would understand that. Well, they are out there. That's generally the role of no, therapists. I did go. I did go to a lot of therapists, and nobody, nobody started this way. Ah, and I tell you from my experience, that is the only way to heal. Yes. Wow. With Siata Deshmaya, you will get there. One of my rig, big, huge goals are, you've just meant, I guess we'll go there, I'll share it with the people, to have someone, there are like huge organizations out there, like Jewish Board, there's in Lakewood Chemed, or these big organizations where I'd love to be able to teach them my style. Part of my dream was to have an Oisha be able to supplement, at least if I will not be working three, four days in my private practice, which my partner also comes from. I'm just sharing you the dream is where I can teach, because now I'm just training one person with me, but I and in my, my practice, it's really private practice, and we take money. So many people can't afford it. And the government is really kind. This is really a Medina Shal Chesed, America, where they're giving you programs, Medicaid, Medicare, and therapists do cover it. And I would love to train them where you have an agency, the system is all set up. And you have like 25 therapists doing that. So I'm just sharing with you one of my dreams that... You and maybe be the government can fund it. Right, but the gov unfortunately, mental health is where the government gives the least amount of money to. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, but, Merit Hashem, okay, but thanks. these are one of my dreams. One thing I have learned is it sometimes takes me 20 years for the dreams to happen, but if it's the real true thing that I have in mind, I feel, and a large part of it is, is Ratzon Hashem, that's what the Rabbi wants for me, I see the Rabbi sends it to me. My lesson that I need to learn from the Rabbi Shalom is that it's usually not on my timing. It means the Rabbi sends me everything just at a time when I don't see it, but I always appreciate it. So 
I put out there my dreams. The Rebbein Shalom knows how many years I already have this dream. And to be able to help one person or train at least one person the way I do things is a schus. And I always doubt the Rebbein Shalom should be able to help me go to the bigger organizations where I can teach 20 to 30 therapists. And also the way I train it, it's about a four-year training process. It's not just here's the information. It needs to be trained. It's very different than classical therapy where I talk and you listen. It's more where the person talks. And, and we, the therapists, listen and help them identify or help the person listen to what they're really saying. But thank you, and with Siata Deshmaya, that was one of the dreams, and with Siata Deshmaya, we'll get there. Thank you. Etty, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, Etty? Etty, 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 are you on the line? Etty, are you on the line? You dialed in last time. Hello? All right, we are going to go to Tuvia. You know, we're going to drop Etty. Call back, please. Tuvia, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, how are you? <clears throat> Baruch Hashem, fantastic. I just have a question. How can a person learn to be more empathetic towards others, towards their other people's suffering? I find that I have, like, a tendency, unfortunately, to think that, you know, like if you hear about a tragedy, as long as it's not happening to me, it's not that bad. Um... Explain it to me. So what you're feeling is if someone goes through a tragedy, you just feel it's not really about me. It has nothing not to do really. with me. Not really. I do feel sorry for them, but not as strongly as I should. You know, a person should really be, be feeling the other person's pain. And that sometimes they do, but there are times that I just feel like, uh, you know, it's not happening to me, so it's not that bad. Sylvia, can I... We'll use a little bit some of my senses. My, mes- my senses are telling me you're a very empathic person. You do feel for others. Why are you asking the question? <laughs> That's just how it seems to me. So it seems to you that you don't connect to people? You don't feel their pain? That, that could be. Are you married? Um, not yet. Okay. Um... Do you, do you find people telling you you're detached from them? No. No. Do you, find, do you have friends? Yes. Okay. Do you have people that like you? Yes. Can you Personal. share personal stories, have close connection, like share a pain that you went through in the day and, and talk to someone about the pain that they're going through during the day? I have. Have means like once, uh, once a year, once a month, once a week. Not not frequently, but I have. Okay. So let's go take this concept and now understand. Having people that you connect to tells you that you are a healthy person. That okay. means you can feel. Having best friends where you can open up personal stuff is now saying the deeper level that you can connect within yourself. So let's take your point and sort of even elaborate a little on it. And the concept is about trauma. What happens when someone goes through a trauma is our senses now get dulled. Imagine our skin gets burnt. Many times, unfortunately, if the, if the burn is too deep, then the nerve endings get ruined, get destroyed. If someone went through certain traumas, they're afraid to go into that place. So they now create a shield and a block. While they feel this is healthy and it's keeping them from being burnt again, 
On the other hand, the danger to that is in order to have a close personal relationship, it needs to be close and personal. It means we got to share our close personal information. They need to share their close personal information. And there are people that are great at the world chit-chat with what's going on in the news. And if someone else just is on that same level, then they will always be discussing their opinion about the news and not about their emotions. So that is for someone that was scarred emotionally, that you cannot share emotions. They're not an emotional person. They will discuss technical levels. However, if someone was scarred from a trauma, what happens on that level is that they want to talk feelings because that's where they are, but they can't. They're afraid to open up. What happens then is when we block part of our emotions, we block everything, which means that now we're afraid to feel for others, even their pain or even a tragedy that's happening in Yisrael, because if we feel anything, we'll first feel our pain, so we need to block that out. So now, Tuvia, without going into any details, because we are live and public with thousands of people listening, would you say you've gone through certain traumas in your life? where you need to shut down? Uh, not that I can recall. Okay, well, what do we call trauma? Clarify trauma. So what do you call trauma? I discuss trauma, a painful experience that has changed our life because of that. Oh, maybe. And we've changed our entire view for the negative, I would say. Maybe a little. Okay. Now, from that time, have you shifted? Has your heart shut down a little? Have you been more afraid? No. I mean, if I, you know, if I like see a moving film or read a moving story, I could be, you know, easily emotional. Okay. So, Tovia, I don't have exactly the correct answer to your question that I hear right now. Um, basically. I would tell you is the way to feel empathic then, to feel emotions is to be able to start connecting to little stuff. Connecting to friends just in the Goyesha world, which we don't really have now in the Jewish world. There is one place in Eretz Yisrael in Tzvass where they have a therapy and it's, it's part of the therapy is to connect to animals. Like when you're working in a farm, you're connecting and animals have a way of expressing. If you hurt them or if you're not brushing them or combing them or giving them food, they will say it and you build a connection. And for people that have a difficulty connecting to humans, they feel sometimes easier to connect to animals, and that's animal therapy. In the from world, we don't have that many places, or that's, I think, the only one that I know about. But that is a concept about therapy for people that were really victimized or traumatized. I don't know if that's... Can you gain that just by, like, feeding fish or something like that? Yes, yes, starting to connect. And again, a fish has a less of an emotional response but like dogs or cats, again, I'm not saying that this is, I'm just creating our awareness, not saying it's something you can do, but by going around maybe to a pet shop and ask if you can volunteer once a week, then you start seeing how the animals might recognize you or whatever that should be, it just creates a closeness. If you can sometimes volunteer with kids, there are places, organizations where they need someone just to volunteer. You help a kid, you take a kid one hour a week, two hours a week, and you see the smile. Kids are so real with their emotions. It helps build connection. The more you do, the more you connected you will get. So if you want to feel close to Klal Yisrael, do something for Klal Yisrael. You want to feel close to your shul, do something for your shul. You want to feel close to your family, do something for your family. Okay, sounds good. Excellent. By the way, right, by the way do you have any relations to Rav Noah Weinberg? I don't have relations to him, but he is a tzaddik, and I listen to a lot of his shiurim. Oh, okay. what an amazing person. What an amazing person. 
Craig. Thank you. Yes, thank you. My pleasure. And uh, we've got a caller all the way from England. Reb Yassel, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, Matka. I've been waiting a long time to get through to you um, to ask those questions. First, I want to thank you very much for the line. Um, I'm not this type of person that likes to listen to different uh, sorts of lines, but my wife persuaded me a couple of months ago that I have a lot of time walking home from work and to work. That should listen because you're his type of person, she called it, and I listen. And since then, I'm hooked to the line, and I listen every single um, cheer. Then let's hold on a second. I'd like to validate what you said. And I got to really tell everyone that it has tremendously shifted. I said originally, when you go publicly, you got to be ready for 80% negative feedback and 20% positive feedback. I've long already decided that I'm looking that the only people that should be listening to this program are those that are the type that will appreciate it. Now, I don't mean to brag, and I don't want to sound like an elitist, but the people that listen are positive people, people that are looking to grow, people that are highly intelligent, people that are willing to hear another opinion. Now, I'm just going to mention the type of people that listen and then tell me if this isn't like a special group. These are people that are also looking to help others. And these are people that like when you're direct and honest, don't like when people are avoiding. And it's funny, when I, when I meet these people, they say, you know, I listen, I am really honored the type of people that listen and the type of people that I feel a connection to. So Rabbi Yassel, with what you're saying, when your wife said it's something that you would like, like a type of person that you would like, I'd like everyone listening to realize that it's a type of people that enjoy listening to this. These are the strengths of us type of people that like listening. So any one of you, I really believe, can do what I'm doing over here. And I would have been listening to you because it's a, it's a nature that we like tuning into. So thank you for thank that. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. That sounds right. Yes. I'd and really, we're healthy. I Let like me say it very for- clearly. And we are very healthy people. We are aware of our strengths, aware of our weaknesses, sometimes a little too more aware of our weaknesses than our strengths. But we are a, we're an amazing type of, let's call it family, that listen to this type of work, that say this type of work. And I really consider everyone family. Excellent. Now, could I ask, just pose the question, basically? Go right ahead. Very, straight, very, very straightforward. Um, I come from a large family, and um, I guess, and like I said, I can't pinpoint, it might be uh, that my father was a very cynical type of person when we used to say something that he like made it like made it fun of it in a non straightforward manner so we didn't really catch on, right? Yeah, we cynical went along with it. Yeah. Now my son is more like like my wife, like more emotional type. And uh, I find that uh, most times when he tells me something that I find um, silly or whatever for his age basically, I'm being quite cynical and uh, I really would like to try to change that, if possible, because not that it bothers me and it doesn't bother him either because he doesn't even hop that I'm doing it to him. But on the other hand, it really bothers my wife. She says it's not very nice that you're doing and he doesn't even catch on to what you're doing to him. So my question to you is, is there any straightforward way of me trying to take myself off from that same direction of being cynical to a person which um, I guess is more emotional than me and I'm not really emotional? Well, sure, and we'll get to that second. As you know, listening here, I always answer the question that I hear, not the question that you're asking. Right. So let's first start with a bit of information. You've made a premise. It means an assumption that is not correct. And that is that when someone is cynical, it has no effect on the person. 
Right. Let me tell you, that is false as false can be. Every cynical comment, every comment that we do not believe when we say it, the other person will notice it and it will have an effect. So just like in the board meetings or at work, you can tell someone's mood, you know the response and it has a negative effect. So I will just prove it to you. This body movement? Body movement, that's what I'm saying. Without words, forget about the words that the brain hears and that it interprets, just body language we hear. Right. So when you made an assumption that when your father was cynical to comments that you made, and you did, it didn't bother you and it didn't bother him, false. It bothered him and it bothered you. Now, when you do no, it to I, your I, son, I, no. it bothers yeah. you and it bothers him. Right. Let's start with that. Now, let's... Okay, no, uh, yeah. What? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah. go. No, I was going to say, I was going to say that basically, I didn't say that it didn't bother me when my father was cynical because I really caught on to it. I did. I thought you I said it didn't affect you at all, or it didn't bother. It didn't affect. No, no, no. I, it, I got used to it basically. We don't it get used to it. We we learn to numb the body. It's like those boys. You ever see boys who say, "Hit me," they make a muscle on their biceps and punch me as hard as right. you want. You punch. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt me. You think it doesn't hurt right. them? You've learned to numb or to block it out as much as possible. You feel the pain. That's true. That's true. And that's why, like I said, I'm really, I wouldn't like that my son should go through that. If Excellent. Possible, if so now let's, now let's take it a step further to the awareness. Can you tell me how it affected you, your father's cynicism as a kid? This is awareness now. Uh, um, it's a hard question to answer because, and then there was a lot of different factors in the, and mm-hmm. the whole picture as so well. let's put that so, in there what goes along with a cynical personality let's put the other factors into a cynical personality isn't direct a cynical person is someone that sees things negative a cynical person is someone that doesn't know how to make changes in another person so they can only do it through snide remarks it means they are not confident enough to be direct and to do their job make sense so far not really, because at the end of the day, people around me all say that I'm a positive person overall. So, oh, oh, well, let's not talk I about others. We are talking about you no, and no, your son's no, relationship. No, but, no, but I, I'm finding is I want to no, no, hold on, Rabiasso, Rabiasso. Let's take it to you and your son's relationship. How comfortable okay. are you to be direct with him to tell him how to do it the right way? Not very. Bingo. That is my point. We can have lots of talents, but in certain areas where we can't use it, and where we can't use it, we might go to other behaviors that is with a lesson what you need to learn is how to be direct how to say what you feel how to give a compliment just like you can do with others to do it with your son now i'd like you to illustrate the next point that you've just said for those listening sometimes people tell me i got through it it didn't affect me and i'm not affected by my past now look how you are my friend with friends and everywhere else you've got this positive upbeat personality where you can even be direct but with your son, because your relationship was a father-son relationship, in that issue where your brain is now recreating that relationship, notice what's happening. You go back to the old program. So for all of you that look yeah. around your relationship with friends and say, it didn't affect my kids, or look how good I have with my kids, but how did it affect your friends? Look at where you had the difficulty, and that's where we want you to focus on. True, but on the other hand, not all my kids have to... Um I find that I have that relationship, basically, That's right. because it, uh, they're more like uh, like me, like that are not so, um, I would call it emotional, sensitive, whatever. I could talk direct, I could tell them exactly what 
um, I expected them what I'm thinking of and if they're talking something silly. But then when it comes to a child like that, which I am not on the same level, right? Um, yes. For some odd reason, I'm having a much, much tougher time, basically. Thank you now for the third level, for the third awareness. And the third awareness is that when we are triggered either by kids that are just like us or our children that are different than us, but we go to our old negative programs instead of learning and updating new programs. That's where parenting courses come in. So I'm validating that your issue is real. I have an entire program in Section 1, number 56, called Parents Make Mistakes, and that's where I'm encouraging parents to make more and more mistakes. The more mistakes we, we make, and if you're open-minded, the more you will learn how to change Why, what prompt, which prompted you to make this call. Right, and that's but the goal. Is there a way, the of only course. way for me to do that is by, by parenting course. Is that the Either only way? Either parenting course or one-on-one -on -one to analyze it, to discuss it by a book that will create the awareness. But just understanding it, that you've tried to right. change it, your wife has asked you to change it, and it hasn't worked. Not really. No, no. I can't. I could say I've changed a lot of things, but this I'm really having. That's right. So here's where sometimes you just need a little one-on-one -on -one with someone, like a coach. You might not even need a therapist, just a coach. Right, right. Uh, and uh, and uh, would you know of anybody um, which I could ask for in England? Because you hear a lot from the English people that's very limited of hair and uh, therapy type of things. And, uh, so you've also mentioned one of my dreams. I don't actually recommend ever therapist. I know there's a relief, which they also refer in England. But you've mentioned one of my dreams. I, I About 10 years ago, I was flown into England about two, three times to do therapy and even to train some therapists there. So my one of my goals is, as I've mentioned it the first time now, I shouldn't say goals, one of my dreams to the Rabbi Shalom is to be able to set up centers where some usher, let's say, would really compensate my time because it is a lot. For about a three-year time where two, three days a week, I would be training like centers where they have 25 therapists and do that. Right. One of my dreams is England, because I do have a huge contingency listening to England, and England is the hub from Europe where people will be able to travel, go. There's a lot that happens in England where I find is one of the main European Yiddish hubs from hubs. So yeah. those one of my dreams to be able to do that. I know that he was one of the top yeah. Lakewood therapists. His name is Shimmer Russell. I, I shouldn't say I know. I've heard that he's someone in England flies him down there. Um, it was a while, once a month or once every two months to work on. I'm not sure the details, but I was told that that's what he did. And those are one of the dreams. I said, Rabbi Shalom, he even showed me that it's such a dream is possible. Now I just need Rabbi Shalom to happen to send it. But I'm just sharing with uh, you my give, dream. Uh, let me, so let me give you a bracha, then, uh, that, uh, that Hashem shall help you, that you can be able to make this dream of yours come true. And oh, uh, we would really appreciate it over here because... Um, as I told you before, I'm quite a positive person. I have a lot, a lot of people um, asking me for just for advice, for chizik, all, all the time. And uh, if I would have only something like this, which I could send people to, right. right, people that I reckon, it would be a brilliant, brilliant, excellent, excellent thing. Thank uh, you. Unfortunately, at the moment, I don't find it. So, again, thanks again. So, I get what you're saying. Basically, you're saying that um, really you should try to do it with one-to-one -one or to take a parenting course and try to get through. Even one-to-one. -one, I'd even recommend just modeling, which is role-play. Your son will be cynical. Ask the guy to be cynical, to make a, a comment that's not that smart, and he'll, you'll just role-play how you would respond to other kids and then practice it with that kid. The beauty about therapy is once it can be mastered once in my office, now this client is usually able to create the bridge in many other areas. 
Therefore, the goal of therapy is not to do it in the therapy office only. The goal is once we can master it healthy in the therapist's office, then we can now use it in so many other areas. So when I always start my 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 sessions, clients must always say what has changed for the positive, and lavdafka, not necessarily because of the work that we've done in the session. It could be something that we did three weeks ago that now you're able to use in other areas of their life. Because the goal is to be mastered, to see that the bridge is strong. And now that you've learned how to create this bridge, you're able to build this bridge to other islands as well. Right, right, correct. So you're saying it'll make a difference in different areas. That's right. So if you can master it with one person that will act the way your son acts, and now master it in that role play, many times you can find it and work with your son. Right, right. Beautiful. I get what you're saying. Excellent. Thanks a million. I really appreciate it. And amen to that bracha. Uh, amen v. Amen. I really, I really wish it to come true. Okay? Amen. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, have, a lovely, have a lovely day. Merci Continue Shem. on Me with the good work. Amen. Continue on with the good work. Amen. Bye. And we are going to go to Yehuda. Yehuda line 2. You're on there with Mordechai. Just for those of you listening in now, tuning in now, the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Yehuda, you're on the air. Hi, Mordechai. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, what's regard, I had a question like this. Now, number one, I really enjoy your program, and I would just like to specify that one big insight that I keep on hearing from you over and over again is that every issue that you ever have with other people usually is an issue with yourself, if you just work on your issue, then... Ah, you're hitting my dream. You're you're repeating my... One of the biggest yesidas that I have, and that it's both in Yiddishkeit and in classical psychology. Yes. So I'm saying I found it in many different areas with different people that, like, I feel like, like, um, I guess, like, push me the wrong way, like, push my bonds the wrong way, and, like, I always find the, the problem of, like, what's my weakness and, like, what's bothering me about that person that gets me so nervous. Yes. Um, but I had a question along the same lines, like this, on I'm married, Baruch Hashem, and I feel that, like, every time it comes, like, vacation time, like, it always, like, a thing between me and my wife. Like, my wife is more of a person that, like, enjoys just, like, being at home and just, I guess, just being, like, you know, with routine and everything else. And I'm, like, I'm more of a person that loves, you know, adventure, you know, being spontaneous and things like that. And I want to know, like, how could I deal with this and, like, I guess not to change my wife, but how could I change, I guess, myself to be able to, I guess, come to terms with it? Like, how do I deal with it? So first of all, you've just mirrored my marriage, <laughs> okay. which means I need creativity. And if I go on a trip where it's not, there isn't something new, I would almost feel like it was worth, worthless the entire trip. I need adventure. I need something new. Now, when we can recognize our natures, we could now work out with the other person. So my wife is someone that likes going to the same places, do the same thing we do every time. Imagine being married to me, which I need complete difference, changing the whole schedule. Everything's got to be different for me to feel great. Now, doesn't that sound like, ooh, oy vey, huh? Yeah. Well, actually, it's the opposite. I've learned from her how to appreciate consistency and the peacefulness that my mind has when I go to a consistent place. She has learned from me how to appreciate change and some differences. Now, what happens in a trip when I 
plan with my wife is we many times plan out, okay, what do you like consistent? What would re- consider consistent for you? So even if we go to a new place, but you got to have, let it be restaurants, you need to have certain stores, you need to have the water, whatever it should be, and yet different, and then we can work things out. So when you take what's her three main priorities that are needed, we take my three main priorities and we focus on those three. So those six together, and then we're both happy. If I completely give myself away to her, one vacation, two vacations, a third vacation, I'll be resenting vacations. If she completely gives herself over to me, chances are at the third time she will resent it. Yes, it is possible for one vacation for me to do her way, another vacation she does my way, that's also acceptable. But we're both being acknowledged and our natures are being honored. I hear. So, so you're basically saying that like, to come to some sort of, uh, I guess some sort of like a pshara and like, you know, every, you know, I'll give a few things. It's I more than pshara. I would like to clarify that it's a lot more than pshara. Pshara is where I give in and you give in, which means we all got something, we all lost something. This is something more than that. This is one plus one equals three. This is I get my needs met, you get your needs met, I will learn the benefits of your needs, you will learn the benefits of my needs, and we grow. This is via Lubasar Echo that we start thinking together. I start seeing the amazingness why the Rebbein put me married to her. She starts seeing the creativity in the husband that she might not have had or that she does have, that she can appreciate that. It's more than just compromise. It's one plus one equals three. It's my 100 power, my wife's 100 power doesn't create 200, it creates a 300 energy level. Wow, I hear that. Yes. Yeah, so, so like I'm trying, I guess like my issue is I'm trying to more show her the, I guess, the enjoyment of being creative. That's right, you're trying to change her. We're not here to change her. The gave her her natures. And her natures might be very solid and consistent and there's a power there. But what does she need in power and consistency? She might say, sorry, I cannot sleep in a tent. I need at least a three-star hotel, and I need to know there's kosher food that I don't have to prepare or back, or, or, or pack some stuff and live off some uh, vacuum-packed, you know, meat thing. So once you can realize what are her needs, and then, okay, we need a three-star hotel, we need kosher food, then what about if I prepare the food? What about if I do all that? You can work out that her needs are met. Your needs are met, and what an amazing trip it will be when she is happy and you're happy. I hear, I hear, sounds great. So there are two programs I'd recommend if you listen to my phone line, number seven in section one, and that is how to embrace differences in business, friendship, and marriage. And that's where we get this concept. We're partnership, one plus one equals three, not two. Right, you and think it's not really giving in, it's more it's, Exactly, it's new... I am gaining. So imagine someone, if I tell you invest $1,000 and you will make $100,000 guaranteed, the money is in the account, and you'll get it in 10 years. Do you say, Ive, I just lost $1,000. For 10 years, I don't have $1,000. Right. Or okay. you'll be counting down every single day. I invest $1,000. You go, where can I invest a second thousand, please? Let me give you $10,000. Right, 100%. If we can see marriage that one plus one equals three, your nature plus my nature, not you becoming my nature, not I, me becoming your nature. And something I've seen... Almost, I could say 100% of the time, where the Rabbanu Shalom has purposely taken two different natures and made them one in marriage. 
So the two programs I'd recommend is number seven, How to Embrace Differences in Business, Friendship, and Marriage, and number 26, which is why family vacations are so painful, almost why they fail family vacations. And there I give some very solid tips how to, again, like we've said over here, how to take different systems into Cheshbon, that it should be successful. Also to expect some flops and how to deal with it. So again, what's your priorities? And there are some fantastic tips. Once we have a priority set for the vacation, one or two, not the 15, it's almost a guaranteed success. And if you can prepare and plan that out, even for rainy days and the hotel doesn't work out and you don't have your adventure, you don't have that, that's when things work out. I hear very interesting. Thank you, Yehuda. I feel that is a fantastic question. My pleasure. Thank you. So the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And again, I'm going to read this poem we've gotten from the Lakewood Scoop, uh, beautiful, where someone just responded to the poem that we read earlier. I want to thank you for reading that poem. It's something I'm struggling with, and it was good to hear. Thank you so much for your awesome show. And let's go ahead and read that poem again. Also, we will be then taking a couple of text questions that we've got, but the number to call in, we've got now a couple of slots available, 718-683-5858, You often mention about codependence, like a recent question on the hotline. We've been going to a top therapist in Woodmere, and I got to the point where he told me he truly feels I did whatever I can, and being that my husband refuses to participate, there's nothing he can help me with as far as my marriage. Oh, my response to that is, sorry, but there's a lot you can do, which means inner growth. Maybe in the marriage component, there's not much more that you can do. A marriage means both of the tires have to grease. But when you work on your tire, you strengthen your tire, you're clear. Boy, we certainly do see changes that will happen, Mertesham, in other places of your life, including in your marriage. I can think of three, four cases I'm working on. Two of them are the wives. One of them is the husband. We're just a couple going for therapy. And there was even one person that came because they had difficulties with their children. And by doing the inner work, their marriage has blossomed to a level that has never been, all because of the inner changes that we do within ourselves. So while I agree on the marriage with the therapist, I would tell you, take some courses on codependence or take some therapy on your component of it. What's your weakness, what you feel? And with Siata Deshmaya, you will see changes with that. The number to call in again is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. If someone is entering Shidduchim and taking medication for OCD, how would you suggest they proceed in finding a Shidduch? Not sure what your question is, which means we understand that in our world, in our society at this present day and age, in Tafshin Ayin Dalad, there is an issue if you take medication, if you announce it on the date very likely there might be an issue where the person will say no. However, there are many cases where I've been lately consulted where someone has come forward and they ask me, is it a problem? How are they doing? And we're able to guide them through and Shadduchim happen. There are also Shadchanim, that if someone needs to be on the medication, don't stop your therapy. There are other girls and boys that are on medication that they're willing to be honest and talk about it and it's okay and to find a Shadchan that will do it. And in fact, you feel healthy, you feel healthy, you feel comfortable, and you don't go in with the lies and with the secrets. Next point is people are on medication and they want to get off it. How it will affect the marriage if you keep it a secret? How will you affect the marriage if you don't tell? There are so many points here where I really believe for this, Das Taira, 
needs to be suggested, needs to be contacted and to see how to do it. We are going to go to Avigail. Avigail, you're online. One with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai. Um, I've called in a good question. You gave me a fantastic answer, but I still, and I used it, but I still don't feel that you got my question fully. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad you're calling back the assertiveness. And let's see if I got it completely. Ask your question again. So my question was, when do you know that you're assertive and when do you know um, that you're aggressive? Mm-hmm. And that was the response. And I even remember who you were referring to. We, we discussed that first it came up in your family and then it's in yeah. your in-laws. No, well, first it was my parents and then you, you pointed out to a That's, sister. Yes. Um, okay. um, but my question is, I used it. I used, you gave me the answer was that no is a full sentence. And I used it meaning to say I sort of gave them my decision without further explanation. But my question is, when do you know to be listening, as Shara said, in? when do you know that you have to really um, put yourself to the side and do consider others? Like, Sure. So let me, let, let's take your question and let's identify it. Your question is, how do you know when you're supposed to say no and when you're supposed to do lifnei mishur sadin? Right. Now, let's take that question even more, elementary, uh, more elemental, which is, are you supposed to have a rav that you're going to call every single second with every single question? No. Now, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to use your mind. It means you're supposed to ask several times. That they teach you the asidus of when you're supposed to do it and then use your mind. Right. Now, you don't sound like you're 15 years old. No, I'm over 30. Right. What are the chances that in your life you had to have learned that balance to say yes, no, and to feel comfortable and safe? Usually by the teenage years, as we've had that first or second question about that person with a 14-year-old boy that can't say no, it's something that we go through in our teenage years already, in our early teenage years, especially from 7, 8, and up. Could be. I don't remember that far. Do you have kids that age? Yes. Do you see how they need to know when to give in, when to share, and when sometimes to say, no, this is now mine, I've yeah. shared twice? Yeah, I do. Now, what would you say if I tell you now, I'll switch the question to you, there are certain lessons that kids develop by seven, eight years old, unless for whatever reason they went through difficult childhoods or they were in an environment where it didn't teach it to them. Now, would it make sense for this 30-year-old, which wasn't taught at a younger age, now to still be in question? Yes. Excellent. So now your question is as follows. I am a 30-year-old adult that in my childhood I was not taught when to say yes and when to say no. I wasn't taught how to do it in a healthy level for whatever reasons. And therefore, whenever I'm doing it, I'm always feeling guilty. How do I change? Is that your question? Um, basically, because I do learn a lot to say no, but don't, I struggle. Let's not go there. Let's, right. Let's not go to what you have. Let's go to what you have not. Okay. So, okay. Yes. Now, that is where... Your therapy comes in, and unfortunately for this is where I'll tell you, an experienced therapist, not Hashem, that your problem, but you need someone that has das, as, as the, as the Groh explains, maven davar mitoich davar. You need to work on the inner work to give you the comfortability to be able to make mistakes, to be able to recognize when others need help, when others don't need help. That is an inner instinct that you need to feel safe with. If I just tell you this time, yes, that time, no, you're going to be calling up every single week with six questions. I understand. And the only way to learn that is if you master it. That's why we identified your past on the last time and how you're going to have this in many different areas of your life. If you don't learn this vital lesson of how to say yes and no, how to feel comfortable of when to do it within yourself, you're going to be in doubt every step of your life. 
Okay, so that means there is no general answer to my question. Exactly. Well, the general answer to your question is it's something that's meant to be mastered in the young years of our life, followed through by our teenage years, and it's very normal in this generation not to have had that, and that's why there's such a huge diagnosis, which isn't a diagnosable diagnosis, called codependence for people that have not had that, that lesson, and now we have a name to that called codependence, so we doubt ourselves when we say no. We doubt ourselves when the other person throws guilt at us. We doubt ourselves when we are finally saying yes. And we're still saying, maybe I should have said it in other places. I understand. Excellent. I understand. All There's, right, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Was I gentle or was I very tough? Or no, tough? you were gentle. I just, I, I just struggle. And I am in therapy, but I'm in therapy for so many things that... I sort of didn't get to this. I would say this is probably the aside. Since the way I work, I always work with Shirish, like going to what are the core issues. Learning to say a healthy yes, a healthy no is going to deal with the guilt that you went through as a child, the beliefs, the false beliefs that were put into you that you always have to help, and saying no is going to hurt others, and making you responsible for other people when it's really their job. All these points, I'd say when you work on that, Shirish, you're going to find most of your other issues falling apart. And that's where so many clients get frustrated when they work with me because they want to come and how do I deal with my business? And I go, no, no, I'm not going to focus on the outside world. I'm going to focus on your inner world. And then you're going to see how your outside world gets healed once we focus on your inner world. Okay, so um, because of my past, there was a very traumatic thing that I worked on and we didn't get to sort of daily life yet. Um, I just want to share with the people I learned something amazing in therapy that I think every parent should know. Um, I have one child that I am having issues with. She's like um, autistic and stuff like that, and I'm having a hard time loving her. And my therapist told me that when you have difficulties with a child, you can make it up in other areas. So, yes, I'm having a hard time hugging her. Um, but I don't have a hard time to make her a, ph- a phenomenal birthday. So sort of make it up in other ways, and I felt that helped me a lot. Excellent. But you see now, if I would now, I don't mean to question your therapist. So I would also take it a different way. I go, what is your pain with loving your autistic child? So that's best of my trauma, and it's a whole, she's that's... resenting the other part. And yeah, so what part of your there. past, what part of your trauma does not let you love a child that is autistic. Um, what part? What? Um, How did your trauma affect you that you can't love a part of a person that is autistic? Because she is pre- um, representing um, one of the family members who had, um, I, I don't want to say ruined right. my life, but right. affected my life. Yes. And in, when we do inner healing is we start coming with tools that you could have done then to have saved your life that your life wouldn't be ruined. Be more assertive learn to say no, learn to change houses, learn to change, whatever it should be, the inner feeling that when you will feel strong and assertive with that person in your past, which we can heal in the present, it's very complicated what I'm saying, but those that are clients that know my lingo understand what I'm saying, then you will find that a lot of relationships change. You might still need to find the assertiveness and the strength within yourself that had the the situation reoccurred, you would have now more tools once you feel safe within yourself, now is when we can start moving on, forgiving, or maybe not even forgiving at least, but moving on. Well, forgiveness is part of it. And then you can interact with other people that have those similar situations. Forgiving is not necessarily my opinion. Of course not. But forgiveness is one of the steps. 
forgiveness is um, not even the last step, maybe one before. Of course it is, of course it is. I meant to validate you, of course it's not the last and step. And also when you do forgive, and I, I've been through that, um, you sort of start from zero. It's not a pattern that you go ABC. It's almost like making peace with a massive, so you That's go past right. the flies. But it's not necessarily that you go from here to here to here. You go back and forth. And I really struggle, but I've yes. come a long, at all long times. way. Yes, at all times we go back and forth. That's trauma. Yes. Yes, so we're working hard. Just to make a recommendation, um, EMDR as well. I don't know if that therapist knows I did EMDR. It. Excellent. Did that um, help? Foyerman does it. Yes. And she's fantastic. Very good. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Avigail. And I enjoy your line. I always listen. I, I, I get a laugh from it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Keep on growing. We are going to Sashi. Sashi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. First, I'd like to thank you for your program. My pleasure. And I would also like to thank all the people that take the courage to call in with their real-life questions, especially parenting questions, because it gives you the opportunity to bring up the importance of parenting courses. Yes. Fantastic. So my question is, when will you have available a parenting course? Thank you. So let's clarify to people. I'm working on a project that I was supposed to be done at the beginning of, beginning of August. We've actually submitted. I want to just keep it private because, not because I'm concerned if it won't work out. Chances are it will. Chances are it won't. I've gone through so many parts of life like that. But like I've mentioned, I'll be doing the parenting classes and I'm getting question after question. And I've learned my lesson in life is I am a person with so much creativity, so many ideas, that for me to be able to say one project at a time, do it, do it well. So that project, since every project always takes several people involved, we're now at the final stage where we submitted it and still waiting for a response. One that, once that happens, Hashem, then I'm going to focus on the parenting course. So the reason why I'm not suggesting or saying what project I've done is in case it doesn't work out this place and I need to restart the process somewhere else, I don't want to get many more calls. Oh, that is such a fantastic idea. How do I get it? So the parenting course, I thank you for bringing that up. And part of what I'm doing is I'm just balancing that while I am helping people, while I am working with people, I am also helping myself living today with today. So normally I would see clients after the program. Today I'm actually taking off and I'm going to a wonderful place, just me, myself. And it's so nice to see how my family's saying it's so good that you're giving a little time for yourself and taking that. So I appreciate the call. I thank you for the continuous interest because, as you said, it makes me aware there is a need for that. And all I'm saying is, Merit Hashem, daven together with me for the Rabbi Yishlam that processes should happen. This way I should have the time to also do that while I live as well. So in reality, I could have had the parenting class set up, but then I would not have probably lived the last four weeks means I would not have had any time for myself and I would have burnt out in some other place. So what I'm learning, my life is, to be able to balance, do so much, but still live every single day to go, what today can I do? Make sense? Yes, and I will daven for that. Thank you. So, Thank you. And let's also daven just the way I like davening is, not that it should work out the way I want, because I've already long time let go of that. But whatever the Rebbein Shalom has in plan should work out. And if it is unfortunately going to postpone my plans for the parenting by another two months, people continue asking. I feel comfortable with that. But whatever should go, should just go that everyone can benefit at the process that's healthy. So I daven that whatever the Rebbein Shalom wants should happen, just on a gentle level that everyone is okay with it. 
Okay, thank you. My greatest pleasure. Thank you for the interest because it does mean a lot to me and it just gives me the chizik to continue that people are interested and when there's a request, my brain turns on. Let's try to please. Um, we are going to line three to Shia. Shia, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. I'm actually calling from Jerusalem. Excellent. What is your name? And you don't sound like a Shia. No, I said Shira. Shira. Okay. I was thinking that doesn't sound like a <laughs> Shia to funny. me. Okay, maybe the connection wasn't so good. No, that's okay. Um, anyway, mistakes. I want to thank you for your show, and we feel the effects of it all the way in Jerusalem. Wow. And it's becoming more and more popular, even over here. So I thank you for taking the time and devoting yourself to making the show possible. It's, it's really amazing. Wow, thank you. That happens to mean a lot to me to know. One of the little funs, or I should say pleasures that I have, is just to know that I'm affecting people. And when I can see that happens in different areas, that's, for me, just my nature is a huge excitement. So it's cute to know that I'm reaching more places than just my little corner. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, think, that, um, I think that all the different issues that you discuss, like it really, it touches so many different areas that even in a therapy session, I don't think people could get that amount of awareness. So I think it's even in a way more special than therapy. Yes, I would like to validate that is the power of a group. I lead a group once a month. The power that I see people get helped when you have, because let's say we're a group of six people, and then you get feedback after each one, let's say, shares an akuda or a question that they have. Then each five, each person, so other five people give a little feedback from their experience or their thought or just chizuk or just saying interesting points. I see the power of that. And sometimes I wonder, I wish if I could have in my sessions like four other therapists sitting with me and each one just giving the client a little 10 minutes of information. I feel that would be powerful. And that is the power of a group, which what you're saying is part of the power of the phone line. This is like group therapy of everyone hearing different points, different information. Now imagine, which would be one of my dreams, to have 10 therapists on, each one giving like a, a three-minute answer to the right. question. Or 10 is a big number, but at least three would just be mm -hmm. even, you know, take your information on adrenaline. So, Shira, right. thank you. What is your so question? So I have a very interesting question, and I think that it's um, quite common, unfortunately. I have a sister. Um, I never realized it as a child. Um, she, it only came out like after I got married, that she has, I think, quite a bit of jealousy towards me. And I'm not really sure how to deal with it because I find that she comes very subtly, sort of like from behind me, like a snake to try and find out what I'm doing and where I'm holding in my life. And she's like, she doesn't want me to get attention. And wherever I go, she like sort of tries to like follow me, but in a very subtle way. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, boy, do I understand what you're saying. In fact, I could tell you on one And I don't know how to deal with it. And, yes. I, and I keep on trying to like be in denial that, that it's not really happening. But I, I have, unfortunately, like people in my life that care about me tell me, like, you need to be careful. And I don't like to, like, I like to be nice to her and I like to keep her in my life. But it ends up slapping me in the face, you know? Yeah. So now so, let's... Um, like, I don't know how to deal with it. I really... Well, well what's your question? Let's advice. first start with a question. So, so my question is how to deal with somebody who, like, I sort of want to understand her way of thinking, and then I could try and deal with the issue in, if I know how her, her thought process is so strange to me, I don't even understand it. So if I could understand her, maybe I could learn how to deal with her. Okay, well, let's understand her. 
First, I'd like to give you chizuk and with a quote that I like. And the quote goes as follows. You've got enemies? Great. That means you stood for something. If you don't stand up for anything, if you don't say anything, you don't exist, you will not have any enemies. If you say one point, you will have enemies. That's just... It's so interesting because I'm not even so outspoken. But you might just be a talented... Let's change your view of what you say outspoken. Your actions might speak so much louder than words. You might be a positive mother... You might be, I'm only making that assumption because I hear kids in the background. You might be the person that when your family speaks to, they feel chizuk, they, they feel positive and energized after they speak to you and with her, they might feel negative. People might be commenting about what a nice sister she has without you saying anything. Your actions might just be speaking so much louder than words. Right, so I actually, like, she took some very strange comments to me that were very obvious that she's constantly comparing herself to me. We'll get there in a minute. Before we go to her first, let's take it to you. So I'd like you first to realize that you are, if you do actions, you are screaming louder than words. Can you recognize that? I. Are you a positive, successful person in your actions? Most of the time. Sure. With room for mistakes. Now let's (laughs) understand that you are screaming your actions are screaming positivity, happiness, enjoyment, and people want to be around you. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, let's recognize it. Now, let's go. So, that's you. Now, let's go to your sister. And we don't know. No, these, are, these are all assumptions. I just want to make sure that I don't get hijacked by her again. Like, she comes out in the well, weirdest we're not places. there yet. You're, race, you're jumping to step four. I'm first trying to clarify the components. Who are the pieces here? Okay. Before we Fine. want to know so how to get me. the checkmate, we first got to learn how the pieces work. Number one, you weren't even aware that you're actually slapping her in the face. Every time you do a good action, all the way in Eretz Yisrael, all the way in Yerushalayim, you might be slapping her in the face in Brooklyn. Just because... But actually, it's funny. She follows me here, and then she sort Let's of not go stopped. there. We're, we're okay. still going over there. I'm just clarifying okay. your positive steps in one place, and people knowing about it will slap her in her face. In fact, to make okay. things worse, even after people on Ifter... They're still yeah. stuck with, oh, they're the best sister now, now oh, they're the best cousin or the best mother. Now then if I still can't do anything good enough. They're envious no matter what. And we'll get to the envy person in a moment. I just need you to realize the more successful you are, the more certain people will get triggered. That is a reality. Mm-hmm. Now okay. let's go. So I need you to recognize being successful is major steps. And to them, it's a slap in their face. Now let's go to them. How do they feel? There are people that unfortunately do not have their power. When they don't Mm -hmm. have their power, that means, like the moon that doesn't have its own shine, it can only reflect off others. But since the Rabbi Nishlam gave everyone their shine, they will never be happy reflecting someone else's light when they know they have their own light. They are in the greatest of pain. They're in their own prison. No one can be in a worse position than them. Because they are locked within themselves. Therefore, what these people usually try to do is they try to mirror people that are happy. They try to say, if this made that person happy, then let me do it. So they try to imitate instead of originate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense so far? So now she has a necessity of being a magnet to connect to people that are successful to try to copy them because she wants to be happy and successful, but she doesn't realize that the actions that she's doing will actually make her more depressed and more weak and more angry and more hurt. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? 100%. Yes. Now, what's needed is for you to recognize the more you try to help her, 
the more you're trying to do sort of resuscitation, you're trying to have that bag of oxygen, you know, when they, where the person actually has to squeeze it, the EMTs, you're mm -hmm. trying to squeeze it now for the rest of your life. The concept that you would be able to do is daven for her, the Rabbani Shalom should send her the right shliach that will teach her how to find her power, her happiness, and then she will be happy completely on her own. Till then, she's going to be following you, she's going to be thinking about you, she's going to be checking up on you, because she does not have her own happiness or her own power. Mm -hmm. Now, the way for you to deal with it is to understand that whatever issues she will ever have with you is not your issue, it's her issue. Mm -hmm. She's complaining, why am I the moon instead in someone else's life instead of the sun in my life? Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Got it? I, I just, yeah, I just, I think that it sounds very good to my logic and... It just still like it irritates me so much that she just whatever I want to do she doesn't she doesn't want me to ever have attention or like any recognition not any attention. Go ahead and like, read book. Just take books on codependence. Look for books on codependence. 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 That's exactly what it's called. Where you're trying, where you're trying to make the other one happy. It's going to try to do everything. You'll even hold yourself back from doing certain things just so they won't be hurt. And you'll find it still but doesn't work. I won't work. tell anyone what I'm doing because I don't want her to like. That's have a right. Outreach. You won't tell people. You're gonna. You're going to lower your bright light because you don't want to hurt them. And the point that we want to learn is, if someone else, we want to lift them up. Let's stop bending down, making ourselves small, so they will feel big. Let's make ourselves great, and let's help them find out how for them to be great. So this way, they will pick themselves up. We don't want to dumb down America. We want to smarten America. All right. Okay, thank, thank you. you so much. You're very welcome, Hatzlach. Oh, and just okay. remember, the more you shine, the better you are to yourself, to your husband, to your children, to your family, and even to her. You've got to shine and grow. Do something in her face okay. to hurt her is not correct. But for you to do what's your need, that's the power. That's the Deshmaya. And let's let the Rabbi Yishlam educate her and treat her how she should learn to grow. With Siyat Deshmaya, okay. she will get there. Thank you all the way from Yishlam. Razi, you are on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hi, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Baruch Hashem, fantastic. I'm getting an unclear line. I know, my wires, I don't know, they seem to be. But All I'm right, let's see if we can still. stay in one place. So this right. Way. Okay, I have a question. Um, I have Baruch Hashem married children, and everything, you know, is bar you know, Baruch Hashem is great. My youngest child got married. Uh, about two years ago, and um, there seems to be a little bit like tension between her husband and ourselves. And, you know, we've tried to work things out. I've tried to ask. They've been to therapy. I'm not sure if he's controlling. I mean, this is definitely a little bit my concern. But a major thing for us is a lack of derecheret. He has a major lack of Derek Harris, which for me is like, I can't handle it. And I Can you give me one comment, if you feel comfortable sharing that, that he could make? Because when people say Derek Harris, it's, it's important. Um, for instance, by the Seder night, after everybody left, everyone said, thank you so much, everything was so beautiful. And, and as he was leaving, he says, oh, thank you so much, everything was beautiful. And I said, yes, thank you, we really enjoyed it, it was beautiful. And then he answers, well, there's always room for improvement, which, like, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. um, if, 
I don't. I, I can't. You know, there are so many. I don't know even which one to bring up. Another one. Uh, let's say he would walk, come home from shul. First of all, he would make us wait an hour from shul. Right? He went to different. He went to daven at a different shul. We went into. My husband went to a different one. We'd always have to wait a half hour, forty-five minutes. No problem. But when he walks in, it's barely a good job. Is it's it's. And if you talk to him, he'll answer your question, but always maybe a little bit cynical. I, I can't, it's just the lack of their ferrets. I, I, I just can't handle it. And there was one, um, one incident, uh, my daughter wasn't feeling so good, and I said, I re- you know, I really think she should, you know, be seen by the doctor before Shabbos. He says, and I was a little bit like, he says, well, you can give me advice, but then I'll do what I think needs to be done. I, I just, I, I, you know, they've been to therapy I haven't, but, um, you know, I always think that, you know, when they go to therapy, I'm, they probably uh, think of me as the monster, the, the, you know, the meddling mother-in-law. Okay. How do, I, am, do I have a right to call a therapist and introduce myself and give my point of view? Let's go. There are so many points that you raise here that I feel it's a great awareness. Let's start number one. You use the term not derecheritzdig. Right. And I would like to change those words because it might actually not be Derech but we'll only know that once it's discussed, which right. means, let me clarify, I have about 16, I have a program that has 16 natures on my phone lines number 48 and 49, and there we go into different natures. When people use their natures, one nature to the other nature, when they speak, it will sound not Derech So So someone's a very emotional person, and they're interacting with a person that is a manager skill, the manager, so just in the that I can give you is a wedding, there are people under the chuppah which are telling you, okay, you say this bracha, stand here, the photographer, they might sometimes tell the gedolim, uh, uh, wrong bracha, say that one, stand here. And I've seen people go, look at the chilol Hashem, the lack of covet for the gedolim, told them to move for the picture. And all is really happening over here is a difference in styles, it's his job to make sure the picture works out. The gadolim are usually used to that. The gadol making an assumption might not care or might appreciate it that hey he's being he's getting the bracha and he would love the picture to work out for the couple so the couple's happy. So he doesn't mind. Mm-hmm. That guy's doing his job. But meanwhile for the person that's a more sensitive person will be eating themselves up. Mm-hmm. And what part of the point of that program is for us to realize that each nature when they interact with a different nature, mm-hmm. there will be many clashes. So, for example, your son might go, I am over here married to the most sensitive family out there that I do one little mistake and they're on top of me for everything. His family, it might be, where they will be beating each other up. So I'd just like to share with you a story that really happened, and I still laugh at that. About two two years ago, Purim, Mm -hmm. we had a suit in my house, Mm -hmm. and a couple walked into, like, to deliver Shalach Manas, Mm -hmm. and the husband sort of says, look at what my cheap wife made for Shalach Manas. Now, I knew this, this, this younger man as a bacher, and he had that sharp tongue. Well, the Rabbi Shalom gave him the most sharpest wife back, mm-hmm. and she tells him, yeah, look at what a cheap in-laws I got, that this is what they got me for my wedding anniversary, whatever that was. It was just funny the way it went. And then these two have this whole blowout fight in front of an entire area, pouring out everything. And then after that, they're like smiling and the Rabbi Shalom gave him the exact wife that she needed and her the exact husband that, that she needed. And mm-hmm. everyone else that grew up with these two mm-hmm. couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So now, my question to you is, is your daughter the sensitive level that you are? 
And I'm not calling you sensitive. I'm talking about your sensitive level. Right. And is she on his level where she likes things rough and tough? No. She, uh, I think she's having a very hard time because she doesn't want to hurt us. And I'm giving her as much space. And, wait, you wait, know, let's, let, let's not go into her with you. How, what is her nature? Her nature is a soft, um, resp- uh, a soft, they're herits, they get fine girl. Okay, so let's stop. So therefore, you're now making the assumption that that's why they went to the therapy, because her husband is more a rough and tough nature. Right, and she couldn't handle it. That's right. And I once overheard, I once overheard them, like when they were here for Yantif, and he, you know, his beha- I call it like his behavior is like not the norm to me. Now let's stop a second. Let's not do that. I don't like that, and that's why I'm trying to help you shift. Right. Stop calling it not the norm and start saying it. It's very normal for his nature. Now right. what we need to learn is how to communicate his language. And that might be that you need to get to be more assertive, which is in the house. Mm-hmm. We make our suda at our time, and that's a language he understands. So if he would be the father-in-law and the son-in-law would do that, he'll say, you can daven wherever you want. We start the suda at 11.30. We will make kiddush. We will wash. We'll have the fish. We will wait for you for the eggs or chalant. We'll wait for you for the soup and the main dish. You know, he might need it more rougher and tougher. He might need to learn, teach him how, if you would be more the stronger nature, which we need to learn is to go more assertive. When you say thank you, you just say thank you. Or, I am your mother-in-law, I am not your friend. You might mean as a joking comment, there's always room to improvement, and that might be his nature. Understand our languages, when you say thank you, it's a complete thank you with no and, ifs, or buts. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, is it normal um, never to say thank you? Is it normal? I mean, Everything this- is normal if you allow it. So maybe in his family it is very normal. I have an entire program on different natures. And how I hate going to the in-laws, and I'll tell you which program, and that's what we're going to learn now. What I teach you is what I explain over there is the concept that there are different tires. Imagine a tire for an airplane. It has a, its texture. It needs to connect. Imagine an ATV tire, which is meant for off-track or motorcycle tires, then car tires. Then you've got a Ferrari tires. You've got racing car tires. Then you've got dirt road tires. Your marriage is about taking different tires from different backgrounds and putting it onto a car and now to learn the different levels from each. And but isn't there a basic yes, that a there child is. should get? Basic, a basic yes. No, you're not getting the point. You're focusing. No, no, you're getting tense because we're focusing on you and not your son-in-law. Your son-in-law might be wrong. We allow everyone to be wrong, just like your daughter might be wrong, that she might be too sensitive in certain things. We allow ourselves to be wrong. We allow ourselves to get married to get married with mistakes that need to be worked out. What we do not permit ourselves to do is not learn. That means when I do marriage counseling specifically for this issue, mm-hmm. I will not do marriage counseling on your son-in-law how to speak to your daughter-in-law. I will do marriage counseling on your daughter, sorry, on your daughter how to learn to be more assertive, to feel safe, to verbalize what she wants, how to get what she needs. I will then work on your son-in-law to realize He'll probably say he needs to learn how to interact. People are so sensitive about the world, and our job will be how to sensitize yourself to the world. They both need to learn, not to just him. And to me, the sessions are individualized. Now let's take it to you. You need to learn how to be more assertive. If you will be assertive, what are the prices? The prices your son-in-law might not want to come to you. Mm-hmm. The prices your son-in-law might, yes, come to you, and he'll actually appreciate you more. The, there are so many more things that are going on, but that needs to be worked on. 
So here's where I would have you go to someone and to get a little guidance just how to deal with it instead of eating yourself up. Mm-hmm. Because when he is in your house, he is a visiting king and queen in your castle. And you have a right to even mirror to your daughter how to be assertive and how to take care of yourself. If you cannot teach that, it's going to be much harder for her to learn that. But at this point, now the ring is on her finger, she needs to learn that. I don't believe really the therapy needs to be one-on-one, needs to be on a joint couple session. I would say the therapy first needs to be the individual one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I think they do it as a couple. That's right. And that's why, from my experience, I have a little bit of a negative view that when I do couples therapy, I find most of the time they first need the one-on-one many sessions before they do the couple session. When the session, you cannot discuss, so your, your daughter will not be able to mention the word husband and your son-in-law will not be able to mention the word wife or in-laws. It would be what is my problem when my, when my husband is too assertive. It's about me. What do I need to learn to master? It'll be him. I, it, there are people in this world that are sensitive, not just be the world, and I cannot interact with them without them getting hurt. That is how I do the individual therapy. What is my weakness that I need to learn to master? And that weakness, I will bring it into the marriage. Okay, but just, so let's say Yantiv is coming up. They're going to come. How do I... um... So that is, call me after you've taken six or seven sessions with anyone. You'll see how I can answer that in about three minutes or less. Until you don't take six or seven sessions, I cannot answer that in three minutes or less. Mm Mm-hmm. Not okay. that you are a problem. I'm clarifying. This is I'm just, the problem. No, I said not that you are the problem. I don't want you to think that. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is you need to update your system and how to deal with A. So you've got wonderful son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. Your system works with everyone. You've got one glitch. Right. Now, either you will be stuck with this glitch and mm-hmm. fight with this glitch, or you will learn how to just update the system for this. So mm-hmm. in computers, you can have, we have a new program. We just want to update it, and please restart your computer. All I'm suggesting is just take six or seven sessions just how to update yourself for this one glitch or for this one system that you're, for this Mm -hmm. one interaction where your system doesn't have the components how to deal with it. That's it. Okay. Okay. So you're not wrong, your husband's not wrong, your daughter's not wrong, and your son-in-law might not be wrong. We need to learn how to speak the language that everyone's got. Okay, I guess you know And the reason why I'm focusing on this, I want you to know, is your question is so common. You have no idea how common, I would almost say it's in every single family where everyone's got that one son-in-law or that one daughter-in-law, and unfortunately it eats us up. That's why I spend so much time on this. You're not the Yaitzim Naklal, you're not the unique individual. You are unfortunately in the Rabbim, you're in the majority, where almost every single family that's married off their kids will have that one thorn, and learning how to deal with it will change you, will help your daughter, and will even help your son-in-law. Well, I could tell you when I was raising my children, that's yes. one thing I never tolerated was chutzpah. Yes. It was Derech Eretz Kadma And if, if that has changed... And when it has he, not. It has not. It ha- it, obviously, it has. It because, has not. <laughs> it has not. It's never tolerable. You're just going to hear in his family what is considered uh, chutzpah and Derech Eretz, two different levels. Mm-hmm. And we need to acclimate ourselves and to educate people in our environment this is acceptable. I've had a client that just sent me a text, um, two not clean words. And I told the person as follows, during therapy I spoke to Myrov that said everything's allowed to be said if it's for tales of therapy. Out of therapy, it's not acceptable. And that's where I told the person, there is a place for everything to be expressed. 
-hmm. But we still need to raise the level where it's not the place where it's not appropriate. We do not do that. So okay. we raise the level. We want you to get confident to raise the level with your son-in-law and with your daughter-in-laws. You are the king and queen of this. You will be the grandparents that will set the example. Don't eat yourself up and don't take substandards. Don't. You have the right to raise the level. But how to do that is where you might need that little help and guidance. Right. I, I sure do. Exactly. So here's where my suggestion to you is you are right. What you consider chutzpah is not allowed to be tolerated, and it needs to be verbalized, but how to do it is extremely tricky. Right. It is very tricky because we have been, you know, biting our tongue a That's lot. That's right. It, does, it only makes things worse. Biting the tongue makes you stuff and makes them, and it usually does come out somewhere. I promise you he senses it. I promise you you sense his things, and if it's not discussed the correct way, there can be a huge family feud. If it's done correctly, it can be a huge TLS for everyone. Thank so you for the bravery of calling it in. It's fantastic and so important. Thank That's you. Laha. You're welcome. You. We are now with line two. Um, Kret, I'm not sure what your name is. Free. Say that again. Free. Could you spell it? I'm just not here. Free? No, you can't hear me. Z like girl, R-A-C-E. Oh. Sree. Grace. Grace. Grace like a beracha, Grace. Grace. Ah, I got you. G-R-A-C-E. I'm sorry. Now you heard you spell it. Now it just penetrated. Sure. I got the letters that showed up with C-R-E-T, by the way. They couldn't hear me. They couldn't hear me. Um, I want to thank you for your show. It's amazing. Thank you. Really amazing. And um, I have two questions. Go ahead. Okay. One has to do with, I live in a two-family house, and we have, I live upstairs, and we have an aunt living downstairs. Ouch, already. my question is, we lived here already for uh, about 16 years, and thank God, I mean, most of the time it's peaceful. I want to ask you how to, um, what's the best way to live peacefully with someone who is, let's say, an older woman who may not handle the noise level of children living upstairs and, you know, sometimes gets ir- irritated if things aren't done exactly her way. And I thought my, my latest tactic was just to listen to her talk and just not answer back and then move on and take what she has to say and just try to fix it as much as possible. But I want to know if that's the right way or is there a better way? There is no right way. Let's understand, before we talk about the negativity, let's also focus, what's the, posit- what's the positive side of living with an aunt that lives right by you? Well, it's, um, it's great to know that I always have family in the same house, and my children always have somebody to go to if they need somebody there, and she's always looking out for the best of the house. She's, you know, she's considerate of all, you know, ins and outs of the house. That's right. So and what really about there's a connection to family? What about when her kids... What about when her kids come over, the cousins get to see each other also a lot more often, they know each other? Right, for sure. The grandchild, she has grandchildren. Grandchildren. So grandchildren. That's right. Come over, they play with my kids. It's very cute. They, they come and they go up and down. My kids go downstairs. They always go visit her. It's very, very nice. I just feel like... That's I right. So hold on. The reason why I'm focusing on that is I just want to show two sides to it. And, and I'd like to illustrate that. That is, to every positive step that we have, there will always be a drawback. To every drawback that there is, there's always a positive side. Now, if I would just ask you, just so we can make the choice, if I would give you a choice... 
having all the benefits with having a great with having an ant live next to you or under you and the negatives would you still take it sure great so now that we understand that we're just clarifying now that you're living with an older relative that when they get older they get more tense they get more edgy they right. get more controlling and those are just some of the prices that that's going uh -huh. on so it's 100 normal then of course of course and in fact, many people, I, I don't know your age, so let's call it the baby boomers age, where they're now in their 60s, and many of them still have parents that are alive, balancing where they're taking those parents into their house, where they're sometimes going to the hospital twice a week, or an old age home to visit the parents, and they are complaining, they're in pain, they're hurt, they're needy, they're upset, sometimes they need quiet when these parents are moving into their house, to the baby boomers. Right. And now they've got children and grandchildren wanting to come, and their life is being turned over, and it's so much harder. The positive to that is, Baruch Hashem, there's still zeichot to have parents, and the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim is unbelievable, and it's a lesson that we teach further, which is amazing. But there is a price to that, and it is hard. And there are support groups being arranged for those baby boomers, and you might fit into one of those support groups, even though you might be 10 or 15 years younger than that, or 20 years younger, because this is common, this is normal. And just getting the support, just knowing it's normal, hearing some more tools can just help you. I'm just sharing, not saying that you'll join because it's not such a big issue. But I'm just right. creating the awareness that the older we get, we have successes. There's a positive to that, but we also have drawbacks. Some of them are noises. I remember when I was young and thinking, oh, my gosh, look at my aunt. There's, there's noise. Music is playing. She goes, just shut the music. It's so loud. And you have teenagers. The louder it is, the better it is. Right. And then I see people, or now more at my age, where I'm trying to write something, I'm trying to be creative, and I hear my kids screaming in the other room, I'm like, I can't think. But yet, when I was a teenager, I was only able to think with the music blasting. So when they, when they start hitting 70, 80, and even 90, it's normal to have these difficulties. And now to learn to balance that is the master of that age. Uh -huh. So look at it as a complete package. She will be more verbal. She might be more cynical. She might be now more sensitive. She might even use some snide remarks that she hasn't done in the past, which sometimes happens to people when they get older. She right. might feel trapped. She might get at different stages. Sometimes people get depressed. People give up. Right. And these are a lot of issues. We need to consider what's going through her life at this time. Right. I unfortunately know someone that they had a tumor and it wasn't known in an older person for about five years till they discovered it, four years or something like that. And this person, like, like the client told me, this loving grandfather all my life became like a mean, depressed person. And once it was diagnosed, they knew which part of the brain. They said that was the cause for the depression. It was a certain part of the brain. And the irritability, knowing that was at peace. So just for you to be aware that understanding that at certain ages, certain people change, or there might even be medical conditions, is something for us to be aware of. Great. Thank you. What do you feel you've gotten? What information have you gotten? I feel that like you gave me a perspective of my aunt and, you know, what, like you just said, heart needs and all of those factors contribute. And I shouldn't take it personally when she makes those remarks. Because it's most likely not necessarily towards me. It's most likely has to do with her, and I shouldn't feel like she's she's um, taking her, taking it out on me. Because that's basically my biggest problem is that I feel like she's taking it out on us. Where it's you know, 
That's right. We don't need mail. You know, the kids and kids don't always, you know, kids say what's on their mind and they might say the wrong things or they might do the wrong things. That's right. I know. I know that it's really has That's to be right. Funny. Maybe she's getting to the age where it's hard for her to even have her grandchildren come over and she doesn't have the patience and then sometimes your children go down and like she kept it in four or five times peacefully but then she blew up the sixth time. Right, now, like my son might ring the bell that's and right. she gets annoyed and I tell him he can't just ring the bell but he's also very young so he doesn't understand. That's right. I'm not, like, I'm not standing by his finger so all of a sudden she'll open the door and she tells me, you know, he rings my bell all the time, and I, I don't even want to open my front door anymore. So That's things right. like that, you have to be more aware That's of. That's right. Or you might be able to now put like a little dot or a little color on your bell and say we only ring the blue bell or something like that yeah. to Very work good. with it. Yeah, with age, people change. Very good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I um, had a second question. but Okay, I don't know go ahead. Let's do it quickly. Um, quick one. You know, let and me ask you, did you hear the last caller that I had about the woman, the mother-in-law? Yes. Good. So I just want to hear your opinion. I got a message as follows. I'd like to ask you a question. I guess it's a criticism, but I hope it's constructive. It would seem that rule number one for a therapist when dealing with interpersonal relationships is to listen carefully to the client, but not to believe him until hearing the other side. It seems you are giving advice without hearing the other side, perhaps making things worse. And yes, I have been burnt. Do you feel that I've given this mother-in-law any advice at all besides for her to get advice? My feeling was that you were trying to help her focus on, yeah, her side and try to see how she could help her. Sometimes it's all in her mind and she needs to... That's right. And then she would go to the therapist and then get guidance and maybe discuss it with the son-in-law and get all sides and maybe maybe go together. I don't see, I took it as a fact telling her your daughter is being abused by this husband. And yet the criticism of her, so I'd like to really question the criticism. So if you feel safe, and I feel very comfortable for you, whoever's criticizing, to call up. And I'd like to discuss with you how you heard that, because I don't even hear that. And I'm willing to see where my perspective is off. So I just wanted to get another perspective if I said something that I was not aware of. So, okay. I actually think you opened it up to her, and you opened it up to me also, because a lot of times things play in our heads worse than they are in reality. Okay, very good. Thank you. So whoever that is... Feel free to send in the message, call up, and I'd love to discuss it and hear how you heard that. And what was your second question? Then we're going to go to Abigail. In my my husband's family, there's a situation, um, unfortunately, where my sister almost passed away young. And she has young children. And it's been five, it's it's been about five years. And the situation now, I don't know if we have a right to even interfere or say any of my opinions, but um, the situation now is there. Um, my brother-in-law has somebody watching the children, and my mother-in-law is like almost 100% taking over the family and the household and everything. And I just want to know, is that like, is that a healthy way of well, life for them? Let's first understand something. When a, a parent is nifter, it's almost like an amputation of a leg. Uh-huh. And now the family needs to learn how to compensate. There might uh-huh. be uh, another leg that would have to be put in there prosthetics now they have electronic might just be going around with crutches might be right for a certain step and certain steps to evolve at different stages to have different levels so your question is so complicated that without meeting the the like your brother-in-law without meeting your in-laws without speaking to the kids who knows what's going on over there 
Right. You know, and maybe your brother-in-law is thankful that they're so involved. Maybe your brother-in-law feels it's stifling. Maybe in his marriage, your in-laws were so involved that he couldn't kick them out, and now he can't. Maybe your maybe your brother-in-law is saying, "I could work. At least I could give the kids individual when some individual attention when someone's taking care of the food, knowing that if I got to go somewhere, if he's dating, there's someone taking care of." It might be the greatest positive. It might be the greatest negative. You need to speak to all members involved. It might. Even be the other way around. Might be so unhealthy for your mother-in-law that she doesn't have a life. Might yeah. be she's trying to bring back her daughter that was nifter. Let's say. There, she's daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. There, there might be so much going on right. that we just don't know. So that question. All I can say is that when a parent is nifter, the entire family is never the same after that. Right. It might be stronger, but never the same. And therefore, when there's a saying like desperate measures take desperate means, that's what's happening. So I would never make a comment. I say I would assume I wouldn't make a comment without having more details for that. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. And I appreciate Thank you so much. I appreciate your answers. Thank you. My appreciation. Uh, Vigail, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, I called before and um, I spoke about forgiveness and you told me to go to therapy and yes, if you were gentle. I want to comment one thing. I forgive, but I forgive just for myself. And that's all I want to say. Thank you very much. Very, very brave of you. Yes, we can. Okay. Sure. Okay, bye-bye. Hatzlacha, and continue the integrate. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718683 5858-718-683-5858. We still got time for one or two more questions. Looking forward to taking your question. The same person that wrote that I was take that I took aside and criticizing me continued to write. I recently went to a therapist who charged two hundred dollars for forty five minutes. He's excellent, but I can't afford it. Where is the chesed? Is the goal of a therapist to become rich on other people's tsaris? Wow, my friend. Now that you've written this, I completely take back even the question, in my opinion, that I might have criticized. And let me explain to you something about life, that this will be considered in free therapy. When we want people to charge our prices to do things the way we want, instead of saying, this is what I can afford, in other words, saying a therapist is expensive is not correct. A person has a right to charge $10,000. Who said therapist has to do that for chesed? You decide where their mitzvah is. And I'm not just saying this to me as a therapist. I hear this control on people. The Rav must answer my question. That millionaire gives tzedakah. He must give my case tzedakah. That's control. You are want to go to that therapist. You want that therapist to charge what you want. You want that therapist then to be available when you want him. Let's understand that. Chesed is the therapist has a right to do chesed with what they choose, when they choose, how they choose. Step one. Now... Being that you feel I've taken aside, and here's where we do the projection, where we look at the core issues. Being that you went to a therapist for 45 minutes, but you can't afford it. Now they have to do chesed because you can't afford it. How about you discovering how to pay for it? How about for you taking responsibility and saying, if I want something that much, I will stand up to the plate and discover how to do that. I will work an extra job to better my life. Forget about therapy. How about if you want to sit and learn, where's the chesed that I have to work all day? The Rabbi Yishlam expects us to push ourselves and to grow. So let's take this shift. There's a concept as a therapist. Now, I might take it a little personal because people make a lot of expectations on me. 
means not only do I do the phone line for free, not only do I answer the radio for free, but I got to see people for free. Whenever they want to pay, they will pay. When they don't want to pay, they won't pay. I should trust them they will pay in the next 20 years. I should sometimes charge, sometimes not. They will tell me who to charge double and triple. They want the Ashiram to pay for their sessions. It's amazing what goes on. So let's clarify something. No one owes anyone anything. Everyone has a right to become an expert, do what they choose to do, and charge what they want. Now everyone has a right where to do their chesed and when to do their chesed. So now let's take it to you. You seem to have a difficulty. When people, when saying, I can't afford something, you're allowed to do that. The person isn't expensive. I can't afford it. What happens if a therapist is $50 an hour, which is considered basically chesed today? Let's say the therapist does $20 an hour, the copay, but you can't afford the $20. Now, is that therapist a chazer? Is that therapist wrong? Is that yeshiva wrong for saying you must pay tuition? Where's the chesed in yeshiva? I hear that all the time from people complaining. What we need to do is we need to recognize that that's our expectation. We want that. That's our inner control that we are controlling. Instead of saying, Rabbi Shalom, you know what's best for me. This is what I can do now. This is the best. Let me take with what is within my hands, and then I'll do that. Do you know how many times, not many times, but I've had once where a client said, I can only go to this Gaisha therapist, which happens to be like on the TV, on the radio, because only they understand me. That's usually a grandiose idea. That's usually an issue when people don't feel regular, people don't understand them. There are about, a, let's, I would assume, probably 400, let's take a low number, let's say 100 or 200 from therapists being graduated, let's say 100 even, every single year for about the last 10 years. That means there are 1,000 therapists out there. You can only go to the therapist that's $200. You're telling me you can't find a therapist that's very good, that's an agency? Of course you can, but that's part of your issue learning to accept, learning to be where you're at. And that takes sessions to learn to master. So for that reason, sorry, my friend, but about the criticism that you're giving took advice without listening to the other side, I really feel now that's your issue and that's something where you got to grow on. Let's go take over here one more question over here that we've got from the text. And it goes as follows. Can you clarify what's the difference between depression, anxiety, someone being crazy and a nervous breakdown. How come people say if you push yourself too far, you're going to snap? There's a lot of misconception out there. I'm only going to address it very shortly. Depression is someone that's very sad. This is literally on a rudiment level, on a sadness where it's affecting their life, it's affecting their mood. They don't enjoy taste. They're down. Their whole view of life is sad. That's basic depression, not just sadness, not Again, it's not where a situational sadness, where someone is nifta, where it's appropriate. We're talking about sadness for a while, but a deeper sadness, where it's a no happiness, no life in life. Anxiety is all times tense, not just once in a while or situations. There's always tense, always yelling. It takes the most minute point to tick you off to lose it. Then about regarding people say about the having a nervous breakdown crazy. That's I don't even want to go. I don't know what the word crazy is. I know that there are people that that do take certain things. There are people that don't take certain things that they can handle certain pressures. You know what? Based on the time, we've got a couple of seconds left. We're not go, going to go into that. But the word crazy, I don't know what that means. I've been called crazy by so many times, not by so many people. I don't consider myself that. So in that case... We want to thank you all. Hatzlacha, siyata deshmaya. May you all grow, and may we be happy to be zeichel to the Looking forward to being together next week.